We are so excited to be introducing first-of-its-kind research on capital campaigns. So if you've ever wondered, do campaigns work? You're going to find out today. Welcome to All About Capital Campaigns, a podcast that provides fuel for your nonprofit's growth. Each week, Andrea Kilstedt and Amy Eisenstein, co-founders of Capital Campaign Pro, provide practical tips about raising more money for your nonprofit organization. Here are your hosts, Amy and Andrea. Hi, I'm Amy Eisenstein. Today, Andrea is taking a little time off, and I have our Director of Engagement, Stephen Shattuck, here with us today. Stephen, I am so excited to be talking to you about this research project you did for us. Set the stage for us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's fun to be on the podcast. Yeah, I've been working with you and Andrea for a little over a year now. And, you know, it, it seems like we're always hearing things from the people we're talking to about helping them with a capital campaign. You know, is this going to be successful? Is this going to be a huge disaster? You know, what's the success rate? Is it going to mess up? all the other things we have going on uh, in terms of like the annual fund. And, and we thought, you know, we know the answers to those questions based on our own sort of, you know, professional and personal experience. But like so many other things in fundraising, that tends to be what drives a lot of decision making, you know, the anecdotes, personal experience and all that is good. But why not put some actual concrete data with all of those opinions and and sort of histories that we have to finally settle some of these you know long-standing questions that there are about capital campaigns so that's what we did sort of in the spring of 2023 is we put together a series of surveys and sent them out to you know our list we had some great partners that helped us promote those surveys as well and got some really, really interesting data back. And yeah, now we're we're ready to unveil it. So this is yes. exciting. I can't wait to have you share the results. So you talked about we we sent the survey to thousands of people and uh, we did we surveyed three groups. Who were the three groups? We did. So capital campaigns, as you know, and then probably most listeners will know, can last uh you know, a long time potentially. So we wanted to ask people within different phases of, of a campaign. So the first cohort was people who are thinking about uh, doing a campaign in the near future, you know, within the next year or so. So they haven't started one, but they're kind of gearing up for it. And we wanted to ask them things like, hey, you know, how are you preparing for that? How are you sort of thinking about what you're going to do? You know, what's driving the campaign? Second group are people currently in a campaign. So they're not done, but they are, you know, within a year or two in the campaign. How is it going, right? In addition to all the other questions that we asked the first cohort, you know, how's it going? You know, what roadblocks are you running into? What benefits have you already seen? Are you feeling good about, you know, hit, hitting the finish line of that campaign? And then the last group is people that have recently finished a campaign. So they're over the, the, the finish line. Again, in addition to the previous questions to the other two cohorts, the main thing was, you know, was it successful? Do you consider it a success? How much money did you raise compared to your goal? And then critically, 
what impact did the campaign have on your annual fund? This was something that we were really, really curious about. It's a question we get all the time, not just you know the effect that it had during the campaign, but also in the years after the campaign. So very different cohorts there. And then within each of the cohorts, we also broke the data down by uh, size of the organization in terms of their, their annual fundraising revenue. So anywhere from small shops, people raising less than a million dollars a year, up into you know multiple, double, um, even triple figures of millions of dollars a year. So we have the data not just by where they are in terms of the campaign, but also how big of an organization they are in terms of their annual revenue. Great. So, and I just want to clarify one thing, and that is the post-campaign cohort, those ha- that have co- completed mm-hmm. their campaign, it was within the last two years. So it's yes. not like we were asking people who had finished campaigns five years ago, right. or 10 years ago. So within the last two years, they completed a campaign so that the data was uh, relatively recent yep. and fresh. Fresh so, in their minds, yeah. Yeah, so we have some super interesting and exciting data to share. And this is the first of what I hope will be uh, surveys that we do for years and years to come so that we've got a good history. But this is an amazing baseline initial survey. And we got hundreds of responses. So mm-hmm. we looked at campaign success rates. So tell us, um, of the organizations primarily uh, for this question that completed campaigns, yeah. what was the su- what did success look like? Uh, it was very high. We asked people flat out, you know, do you consider the campaign a success? And 94% of the people in that completed cohort said, yeah, we feel good about it. We think it's a success. We also asked them, what percentage of their goal uh, did they raise? And the average number came in above 100%. It was actually 108%. One of the respondents recorded uh, a whopping 170% uh, above their goal, which was, or of their goal, I should say, which is great. Maybe we should have them on the podcast because they did something right. And the lowest was only 75%. So, you know, the kind of question behind this question that we get is, you know, we want to do a capital campaign or we're thinking about it, but is it going to be too hard? Do people crash and burn? Is this going to be, you know, a major embarrassment or setback for our organization? And, you know, that's certainly not our experience at Capital Campaign Pro, but it also does not seem to be the experience of people that do go ahead and commit to the campaign through to the end. It can be, you know, a challenge for sure, but one that pays dividends and large, you know, numbers or averages comes out being successful. So even though it can be a multi-year process and kind of this big thing, you know, it's it's not at all a foregone conclusion that it's it's going to be not successful. In fact, it's the exact opposite. So that was great to see, right? And now we can finally tell people like, no, most people are successful if you do it, if you commit and you see it through to the end. That's right. And, you know, that's what we experience here at Capital Campaign Pro. I mean, campaigns do have ups and downs and are roller coasters sometimes. But the reality is that when you see it through and you plan ahead and you have help and expertise, the reality is that you're going to be successful. And we saw that. And just a note, there were, you know, 
I, I don't know exactly what the percentage is, but a vast majority of the survey respondents actually weren't our clients. We surveyed our clients right. and non-clients. So it's the general population. For sure. We were sure to spread the survey wide, much wider than just our client base, because we wanted to see what was going on in the community. Yes. All right. So one of the questions we get most asked most frequently, whether it's on a webinar, whether it's prospective client, I hear all the time when talking about a campaign is, will the campaign cannibalize our annual fund? What is the impact of the annual fund during the campaign, after the campaign? And we got some amazing results there too. What were those? Yeah. This this is one where there's like there's a lot of things like this in the nonprofit sector, right? We're recording this in September, and and one of the ones that it always seems to come up is you know does Giving Tuesday cannibalize year end giving, right? So there's all kinds of things like this, and now finally we can at least put this one to rest with data because there seems to be very little evidence that the annual fund is cannibalized by a capital campaign during a campaign. We'll get to after a campaign here in a second, but we ask people who have completed a campaign and who are currently in a campaign, what has happened to the annual fund during the campaign? And 79% of respondents said that it is either increased or stayed the same. And I think the the increase mix was around 30, 40% and stayed the same was, you know, another maybe 25, 30%. So it either has no effect, which is great because you've got that nice annual fund cranking on the side, and then you're also getting everything, you know, in addition to the capital campaign, or it actually increases the annual fund, which is a really nice benefit or kind of bonus to doing the campaign. Yes. And only 21% of respondents said that it actually went down. So yeah, this is a this is a great thing because this is probably, Amy, maybe one of, if not the biggest sort of barriers to people kind of being resistant to doing a campaign, right? Right. And so, of course, you know, there's lots of questions around the 21% that reported during the campaign that the annual fund decreased. Now, of course, yep. we didn't ask by how much, so it could be a small percentage. Uh, we didn't ask, go into details about you know, how they asked for gifts or what they did to maintain the annual fund. So there's a lot still to speculate and to think about. But yeah, I, I think, you know, having nearly 80% say the annual fund stayed the same or increased during the campaign is very significant. And my key takeaway is that development directors and board members have control over what happens. And if you're purposeful and you're intentional about paying attention to the annual fund and working with your capital campaign consultant on making sure that that is paid attention to, the likelihood is very high that it will not go down, that it'll either stay the same or even increase. Now, we also looked at post-campaign, didn't we? Right. We asked the post-campaign cohort not only what happened during the campaign, but also what has happened in the ensuing years since the campaign to the the annual fund. And those numbers look like they're holding pretty steady. Now, a lot of people, actually uh, over 50% of the people in that cohort said, you know, not enough time has passed, which is fine. We're going to do this survey every year. So this is something we're going to build on. But for the people where at least a year or two has passed, those figures held steady in terms of the the sort of the, the piece of the pie. It was like 40, 40, 20, right? It was either increased 40, stayed the same 40, or, you know, decreased around 20%. So it seems like 
that trend sort of continues in the ensuing year. But, you know, we'll, we'll be back in a year and we'll have, you know, another year of data to add to that. But that's something we're going to be looking for. But so far, it looks like that that's not just kind of a, a during the campaign thing and it sort of holds steady. That's right. I mean, we have a lot of strategies here at Capital Campaign Pro that our consultants use with clients to ensure that the annual fund does not decrease during the campaign. That would, in part, defeat the purpose of capacity building because campaigns are about capacity building. Your organization needs your annual fund to maintain and grow and continue programs and services while you're in a campaign. And it really would be negligent to not pay attention to it. And so any any fundraiser that we're, that's worth their salt is thinking about the annual fund simultaneously with the capital campaign. And based on these numbers, they are. And it it is not negatively impacted. I, I used a double negative there. It is positively <laughs> impacted, um, you know, or certainly it maintains or goes up during and after a campaign as anecdotally we knew it did. But it's nice to have some data to put behind uh, our confident responses when we say that the annual fund should should stay and hold and even increase during and after campaigns. And I'm so thrilled to see those results. All right, next topic, which is really interesting, and that is that a high-powered board is not necessary to a successful campaign, which, you know, the truth is we, we talk about boards and campaign committees and what you can do if you don't have a well-connected high net worth or high-powered board, but now we have the data to back it up. So what did we find? Yeah, this one was kind of the, the surprise of the data. I would say the biggest one that sort of elevated itself into sort of our top three of what we wanted to talk about. And this one's nuanced, right? We're not saying that an engaged board is unnecessary to success. That's actually the exact opposite of true. But what we found here is that a super wealthy board that is giving a huge percentage of the goal is not necessary to meet that goal. And in fact, is not really what happens in most campaigns. So we asked people that are both uh, in a campaign and have finished a campaign. So two out of three cohorts, what percentage of your campaign goal was raised by board members? From board members, not by board members, from from board members. Yeah, so the board Board, member gave, you're right. Yeah, yep. And that number was only 14%. The median was nine and the the mode was 10%. So the mode is the most common response. So in that kind of low teens, uh, right around 10 or 11% there. So this this was interesting because as we were actually parsing this data, I don't know if you remember this, Amy, but we got an email from someone who was kind of maybe interested in, in working with us that said, you know, we want to do a capital campaign, but we have we have you know, regular members of our community and our constituents on our board, which is really good, by the way. We don't have a, a bunch of wealthy people. Can we still do it? And now we were able to go back to them and say, of course you can. In fact, you might even be better off versus a bunch of, you know, rich, unconnected people to your mission on your board. So thinking that, you know, remembering 96% of people were successful, you know, they were successful, despite only having 14% of the campaign goal coming from board members, and despite maybe not be the right word. So this should give people (laughs) confidence, right, that, you know, 
and most of this money is probably going to be raised early on in the campaign, but it's by no means has to be you know, you half of your goal or a majority of your goal or anything like that. Right. So that was a, a really good confidence builder for for folks and and hopefully will inspire you know people who are listening to say, you know, we that's not gonna be what holds us back, the fact that we don't have mega wealthy people on our board. That's right. Now, listen, one of the strategies at Capital Campaign Pro that we use is with organizations that don't have high-powered, high-net-worth, well-connected board members is to form campaign committees of people who do have wealth and connections because uh, that is how some of the biggest campaign gifts come in. So it's not that you're not going to access and tap into those people during your campaign, but if they're not existing board members, it's not a barrier. That I think that's the key takeaway for me. At yes. least. Yeah, I love it. So listen, um, before we get to small shops, I just want to let listeners know that they can get a full download of the research results at CapitalCampaignPro.com dot com slash research. That's capitalcampaignpro.com slash research. And we are super excited for you to go download the results, take a look, let us know what you think, share them with your board members, circulate them among your team as you start to think about uh, planning your next campaign. So we're really excited to be able to share the full download of results with you. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna share one more uh, result, and that is that small shops can be successful. They are successful doing capital campaigns. It, you don't have to be, you know, a university or a hospital. We are seeing every day. Of course, we know this anecdotally from our clients. We work with animal shelters and soup kitchens and land trusts and K to twelve schools and all sorts of small and mid-sized organizations, in addition to big organizations as well. But we specifically were interested in the data about small shops. So what did we find? Yeah, I mean, you said it. They can do it, too. Uh, You know, we asked a a ton of questions. We're not even scratching the surface of it in this podcast. So download the full research for sure. But every question that we asked, we looked at, we compared, I should say, small shop respondents versus sort of the, the rest of the crowd, right? And we were kind of looking for are there differences? You know, do small shops maybe struggle? Do they do better than in some areas than other people? And for the most part, the numbers came out very, very close when you compare them to the average of everyone and then also small shops versus everyone else. Now, there were a couple nuances for sure, and we'll call those out, but the success rate, very similar to that 96% average. You know, Andrea, our buddy, said something that with small shops, it really just comes down to the amount of zeros. And that was basically what happened there. But there were a couple of interesting sort of tidbits that small shops might want to keep in mind that stood out to us. One is it tended to be their first campaign, right? So a lot of the other organizations, it was maybe their second, third, or fourth because they were their bigger, they had been around longer. Those two, you know, usually follow the other first campaign. But what was interesting for those small shops where they succeeded or sort of excelled against everybody else is that they reported higher levels of major donor relationship building and fundraising system improvement. So we asked everybody, you know, what were some of the other benefits that you saw in the campaign besides just dollars raised? And small shops said that, you know, major donor relationship building was a big one for us, bigger than all the other folks. And that kind of makes sense, right? It's, it's their first campaign. Maybe it's the first time they've done, 
you know, leadership interviews or a feasibility study, talking to major donors one-on-one. It might be a smaller knit group because it's a smaller shop, but that's a really good benefit. That's something that if you are listening and you're a small shop, and we define that as being less than a million dollars in revenue, which is kind of arbitrary, but that's kind of where we saw a, a clear dividing line. But, you know, there are actually ways, here's something you don't hear every day, small shops may have an advantage over everybody else in terms of some of the uh, the extra benefits. So but yeah. the point was that, you know, you're not too small to do this. You're not too small to embark on your first campaign in general. Right. Um, so also don't let that be a barrier. I, I think that's so important, Stephen, because campaigns actually can be an opportunity or the springboard that these small organizations need to learn major gift fundraising in a sophisticated way to improve their fundraising systems and infrastructure and staff sophistication, because the chances are that you will grow all of those systems and infrastructure and invest in yourselves and probably invest in expertise. And so it is an opportunity really to springboard your your sophistication, your fundraising. And so they indicated a higher jump, probably because they started at a lower level, which is fine. It's a great outcome for these small shops who were really successful and raised an average of $3 million or more. For them was very, very significant and really made a big difference in what they were able to accomplish and getting them towards their mission and their vision. So, all right, we talked about annual fund, the impact on the annual fund during a campaign that really for, you know, 80%, close to 80% of respondents, the impact was that the annual fund stayed the same or increased. We talked about not needing a high-powered board to be successful in a campaign, which was really, I thought, such an interesting data point such a relief for so many organizations that they don't need to wait until they have a high power board because they'll probably be waiting forever to run a campaign. And that in general, campaigns are successful. Overwhelmingly, campaigns are successful. And so that if you put the right resources, expertise, uh, time, effort, and stay the course, you're going to be successful. And I think this is, uh, I'm so, so thrilled that you led us down this road of our first ever uh, data-driven research project. And I'm just so thrilled to be able to share it with the community and the world. So thank you. Yeah, it was fun. I hope folks go and and download it if they haven't already, because there's a a lot of stuff in there that we didn't talk about. Uh, And if you're a data geek like me, you're you're just going to love it. Yeah, so capitalcampaignpro.com slash research. Just head on over to the Capital Campaign Pro website backslash research, but uh, I'm sure you'll easily also be able to find it from the homepage because we're going to, we're, we've made it really easy to find. So thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining Amy and Andrea for today's All About Capital Campaigns. To learn more about them and their work together, visit CapitalCampaignPro.com. And please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcasting platform. Thank you.